0: With the gift of hindsight, let's go back and look at some of 2022's biggest trades. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Today's episode is made possible by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit, FanDuel, visit FanDuel.com to get started. So this is another show idea that came from listeners of this show, from the everydayers, from the prospectors, is going back and looking at the biggest trades of 2022 to figure out who won, who lost, were the grades that we gave correct and how some of these top uh, some of these deals aged in 2023. The biggest deal of last year and of recent history, obviously, Juan Soto to the Padres. So, reminder of this deal because it's been long enough where you may not necessarily be thinking about exactly how big this gosh darn trade was, okay? So, Juan Soto And first baseman Josh Bell went from the Nationals to the Padres. The Padres turn around and send six players to the Nationals. Right-hand pitcher Mackenzie Gore, infielder C.J. Abrams, Luke Voigt, first baseman Luke Voigt ended up being the replacement for Eric Hosmer when he decided this would not be a cool bro, and he exercised his no-trade clause on the deal. And then prospects... Robert Hassel, outfielder, James Wood, outfielder, and Jarlin Susan of the right handed pitcher. And Soto going to the Padres, he wasn't the usual Juan Soto that you were expecting in 2022. He struggled a little bit down the stretch, right? So 52 games, batted 236 with a 388 on base and a 390 slug, which are significantly below uh, what you would expect from Juan Soto. He had six homers. 15 extra base hits. But in 2023, he was Juan Soto, played all 162 games. One of, I think, four players that did that. Soto, Marcus Simeon, Matt Olson, and then there's someone else I'm forgetting. Let me know in the comments if you remember who it is. But batted 275, 410, 519, 35 home runs, 68 extra base hits with 132 walks, to 129 strikeouts. That's right. He walked more than he struck out in the major leagues. He was an all-star. He was a silver slugger in left. They moved him over to left field. And he came in sixth place in the National League MVP voting. So Juan Soto is Juan Soto and had a Juan Soto year in 2023. Now, obviously, referencing last week, there is discussion because of how much money he's expected to be owed in the final year before free agency that he's going to Be moved. We again, we talked about that last week. I'll link it up here for those of you on YouTube, and it's available in the podcast feed for those of you on audio. Uh, But this package, if you go back and you look at it after we've had a year plus to look at how this package went, it's hard to feel it's hard to argue the Nationals didn't win this, right? Not every piece of this of that return has been great, mind you. Jarlin Susana. Uh, spent the entire year in single-A Fredericksburg, and granted, age 19 season, there's still plenty of time, but went 1-6 and six with a 5-1-4 ERA and walked almost six batters per nine innings. Not great. Uh, again, still plenty of time, and had seen nothing that would made you think he'd be anything like that uh, the year of the trade in 2022. Uh, Robert Hassel hasn't necessarily been great, but you've got... James Wood, who is one of the top corner outfield prospects in baseball. We talked about him on that show. Uh he is him and Dylan Cruz form a nice 1-2 tandem at the top of this farm system and very high up in the prospect rankings. And then CJ Abrams doesn't really get discussed as a very good MLB shortstop. Like he doesn't get the credit I think he deserves and there's the overall numbers aren't necessarily fantastic, right? He batted 245, 300, 412 last year uh, and struggled against lefties, batted 166 against lefties. But if you go to the NFBC draft boards, remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago where the top prospects were getting drafted. As of Wednesday afternoon, he is the fifth, no, sixth shortstop coming off the board in NFBC drafts. It's Bobby Witt, Trey Turner in round one. It's Corey Seager and Francisco Lindor in round two. It's Bo Bichette in round three and CJ Abrams in round four. And after that, there's a big drop. It's like seventh round when you see the next guy and that's O'Neal Cruz. So he's being considered up there in that tier of the top shortstops in fantasy for 2024. So, what you ended up getting out of this deal, if you are the nationals, you took a player that you tried to give stupid amounts of money to and turned it down. You get to take you you get get rid of that player and you turn it into Mackenzie Gore, who I think I said was a righty, but it's actually a lefty. You turn it into Mackenzie gore, who twenty seven starts this year and showed a lot showed there's a lot of potential there. Struck out 10 batters per 9 innings, walked under 4 guys per 9, the ERA was 4.42. The team also wasn't that great. He handled the jump in innings from this year to up to 136, so you feel good about getting breaking 150 innings next year. You turned it into CJ Abrams, who is a promising young player at shortstop. You turned it into a top 25 prospect right now in James Wood. You still have the ability to work on Robert Hassel, and you have a young lottery ticket and Jarlin Susana that can work out. Meanwhile, the Padres are looking to move him, and so we'll have to come back and reevaluate this again when you see what they traded Juan Soto for in a couple weeks, the winter meetings next week, wherever it might be. The other Padres-related, there was multiple deals, but the other big Padres deal here was Josh Hader from the Brewers to the Padres. And the return was two veteran arms, like over 30-year-old pitchers. I don't even remember their names. That's how much they don't matter. Uh, Outfielder, Stewie Ruiz, and pitcher, Robert Gasser. And it's hard not to call this a win for the Brewers as well, simply because, uh, and not because of Hader. He was in a a bad stretch, obviously. He looked good last year uh, for for what he pitched. But for what they were able to do, they took Estery Ruiz and flipped him in that three-team Sean Murphy deal to get William Contreras. They got their catcher of the future, which is funny that the Devil Magic catching team had to go get a catcher from outside, but they got him and made him one of the best defensive catchers in baseball in like an offseason. It's scary how they do that. And then they still have prospect Robert Gasser. Really funny how quickly they accelerated him. He was in high A with San Diego. After the trade, he went to double A and triple A in 2022. And then in 2023, spent the entire season in triple A. 26 starts, 9-1 with a 3-7-9 ERA and 135 and a third innings. 166 strikeouts, so 11 strikeouts per nine, to 50 walks. 3.3 3.3 per nine and 12 home runs allowed. So 0.8 home runs per nine innings. Uh, I He's probably going to debut this year. Brandon Woodruff is gone. Corbin Burns is probably getting traded. He's going to debut this year. I still don't necessarily know if he's anything but a back-end guy. When you look at, I'm looking at his AAA stat cast from last season right now, and it's one of those, okay, Fastball sits around 92 miles an hour. That's inherently already limiting a bit. He throws both a four-seamer and a sinker. And then when you look at the other pitches, he throws a cutter, he throws a curveball, he throws a slider, he throws a changeup, and he broke out a little bit of a sweeper there too. And this is a stereotype, but those guys that throw six or seven pitches, those kitchen sink kind of guys... They usually don't have six or seven pitches because they're all really good. They have six or seven pitches because nothing is that great and they have to be able to keep you off balance with all this different stuff. You think a four seamer's coming, it turns out it's a sinker and you roll over it and get get a ground out. Or you're trying to sit cutter, you're trying to sit curveball and all of a sudden a cutter comes in, he whips out, a, you're expecting a slider and a sweeper comes. Like guys who throw all of these pitches don't typically do it because all of these pitches are really good. They do it because maybe at best one of them is above average. And so they're just throwing everything at you. But either way, you took Josh Hader a year and a half, a year and a couple months, Josh Hader, and turned him into your catcher of the future and a potential back end of the rotation starter. That's a good deal for the pod, for the Brewers, and it worked out. In just a minute, there's a couple deals that did not work out at all and we'll talk about those next right here on locked on MLB prospects but first today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel as the weather gets colder the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks If your team wins. So, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is incredibly easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options spreads, player props, over unders. They make specialty bets for special occasions. They had some fun ones on Thanksgiving where they combined multiple games into special things. So, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Okay, so some of the trades that happened at the deadline last year absolutely did not work out for one of those teams. The one that stands out the most to me, it's not the two biggest teams, but the one where it's just incredibly easy to see how bad this deal went was Tyler Molly from the Reds to the Twins. And the Twins lost this deal. Okay, so the reminder here is Tyler Molly goes. Over to the Twins. He has a year plus of control. So it's a year and a couple months. And the return is left-hand pitcher Stephen Hadger, who is actually not even with the Reds anymore. I'll get to that in a second. First baseman Christian Encarnacion Strand, and infielder Spencer Steer. If you can see the issue with the deal, uh, there you go. What does Molly do when he's with the Twins? He gets... Four games after the deadline, goes 1-1 and with a 4-4-1 ERA, 16 and a third total innings. Now that last start was abbreviated. Uh, The last two starts, I think, were abbreviated. He went in, he came out. Second one he went in, came out. Then he goes on the IL with shoulder inflammation. Not great. He did not come back that season. The next year, 2023, starts off. Looking pretty good, actually. Five starts, he's one and two. Wins don't matter. To a, it's not, pitcher wins are not a real stat. 3-1-6 ERA. 25 and two-thirds innings. 28 strikeouts. Only five walks. But gives up five home runs. And then, boom. Tommy John surgery. Out for all of the rest of this year. And probably out for most, if not all, of 2024. Based on when he actually had the surgery. So golly, that really sucks, right? And now he's a free agent. You can go sign him to a multi-year deal, let him rehab in 24, uh, come back to a mound probably late, probably keep him on rehab stuff for the end of the year, and then have him in your rotation in 2025. Now turning around, those two guys that they sent, not counting Stephen Hadger again, not even in the organization. He went on two starts, or he had two starts, then went on the I.L., And then ended up being the final piece of the Will Benson deal with Cleveland. He ended up being a player to be named later. And the way that typically works, they give him a list and you just pick from the list. And he was the final piece of the Will Benson deal. He's not even with the Reds. But despite that, it's still a win for the Reds. Because Christian Encarnacion Strand gets in 63 games. He was the next to last person in that group to get called up. Noelvi Marte was the last one. But he was the next to last guy to get called up in that group of... Steer, McLean, L.A. LaCruz, and all that. In the 63 games, 270, 328, 477. 13 home runs, 20 extra base hits, 14 walks to 69 strikeouts. It's nice production. Spencer Steer is the real, like, even just Spencer Steer alone would have been a win. 156 games for Spencer Steer. I believe he broke spring training with the team. He actually came up and played a little bit at the end of the year in 22. After the trade deadline, he came up and got almost 30 games. But 156 games for Spencer Steer this year. 271, 356, 464, 23 home runs, 63 extra base hits, 68 walks to 139 strikeouts, and 15 of 18 on stolen bases. He played first. He played third. He played a little bit of... Second, he played left field. He played right field. He wasn't great in any of those, but he played all of them. He ended up being sixth place in National League Rookie of the Year voting. And you, it's, the Twins got 41, 42 innings of Tyler Molly, and they gave up Spencer Steer and Christian and Strand to do it. Obviously, if you could go back and redo this, it's not happening. You're not making that deal. Another team that, absolutely lost their trade was the Yankees making a trade with the Oakland A's. The Yankees go out and get fr- uh, starter Frankie Montes. They get reliever Lou Trevino. Oh, looked good when he was able to pitch. He had 20-something outings, looked really good, low ERA, got hurt, ended up having Tommy John, missed this entire season. I believe he's a free agent now. Frankie Montes, six three five 5 ERA down the stretch after the trade. Comes out this year is dealing with. I think it's. I think he has like arthroscopic shoulder surgery in spring. Doesn't get back on the mound to the very end of the year. It is a completely lost year, and now he's a free agent. The only thing that caused this deal from not leading off probably either this segment or this show for how bad it was the fact that the guys they traded haven't really done a lot either. Uh, Left hand pitcher Ken Waldachuk, right hand pitcher Luis Medina. Left-hand pitcher J.P. Sears, you sent three different pitchers to Oakland in the deal. And second baseman Cooper Bowman. One of the things that I've said on this show a lot, and kind of jokingly, but I've always, like I've said, if the Tampa Bay Rays call you to try to get an infielder that you have in the minors, hang up and figure out why. And I've also said if the Atlanta Braves call you and offer you a pitcher, maybe say no and hang up. And the fact that none of these guys were really that great in Oakland, I don't know how much of that was Oakland, and I don't know how much of that was the Yankees. We've talked about how the Yankees have quite a few pitching prospects right now with Will Warren and Drew Thorpe, like all these different guys. Part of me wonders how much of it was they went to Oakland and Oakland was charitably, and I apologize, Ace fans, a dumpster fire this year, and there was no way they were going to succeed. And how much of it was the Yankees knew or had a pretty good idea of which of the pitching prospects were going to work out and which ones were not. And they found a team who would take the ones that they knew would not work out. If it's that, if that's the case that they figured out, they could identify which ones would and would not work out. Then the Yankees might become one of those teams that you probably should hang up the phone if they call you and offer you a bunch of pitching prospects. Because that was a complete The fact that Montes and Trevino didn't work out doesn't mean that uh, it was a good deal on Oakland's part to take the quantity of guys when none of them worked out. Uh, But this isn't here because the Yankees absolutely ended up being a whiff on all of this, all of their return. They got nothing in 2023 out of these guys, and they got very little in 22 other than Trevino's decent relief stint, and and they gave up quite a bit to do it honorable mention here because it started off or it appeared to be a salary dump and it just even that did not work really well was the Atlanta Braves getting reliever Rizel Iglesias from from the Los Angeles Angels for Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson. So the reason this is in here is yes it was a salary dump they wanted to get out from under Iglesias's salary. He was making 10 million dollars in 2022, and then he was going to make 16 million in 23, 24 and 25. So it was a lot of money to get rid of, right? Uh, but when Iglesias got to Atlanta, he was I'm pretty confident in saying he was the best reliever in baseball down the stretch. 28 games. 26 and a third innings, 0.34 ERA. He gave up one earned run in 28 games down the stretch. Stepped right into Atlanta's closing role, was Atlanta's closer this year, 33 saves. I believe it was 37 opportunities, so pretty respectable percentage. Struck out 11 batters per nine, finished with an ERA of 275. You will absolutely take that right in line with his career when the Angels gave him that big deal. But Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson absolutely did not work out for the Angels. Chavez was released within a couple weeks of the deal, and he turned right around and went right back to Atlanta and looked significantly better in Atlanta than he looked in that stretch he was in LA, which is just hilarious to me. I think it's the second time Atlanta's traded him away and then he's made made his way back with either that season or relatively quickly after that. Tucker Davidson also did not work out for the Angels, and last year got moved from the Angels to the Royals, and then after that was waived and was selected by the Orioles and still did not pitch. Did not look great. He's not even arbitration eligible until 2025, but he still got waived by LA and then waived by Can- or traded by LA and then waived by Kansas City. So did not work out at all. In just a minute, there were a few trades last year that did work out, it feels like, for both teams. We'll cover that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Final segment of the Thursday show of Locked in be Prospects. Lindsey Crosby, your host here, talking about uh, trades from the 2022 trade deadline that did or did not work out in retrospect. And there's a couple deals. Player for player swaps are always really interesting. They're called challenge trades by some people because it's, in essence, what you're saying is we think that you have, like, you had promise. And we think that you're not as good as that other guy. So we're going to swap you one for one for that other guy. Now, it's not always that dynamic. The first one that I want to talk about was not that dynamic. It was Brandon Marsh going from the Angels to the Phillies and prospect Logan Ohapi going from the Phillies to the Angels. This was a little, it wasn't a challenge trade. It was a one for one. And I want to put it in here because it seemingly worked out for everybody. Brandon Marsh has been a good part of that team for two postseason runs now where Logan Ohapi came up and immediately looked pretty good in that small sample that he got in 2022. Batted 286. I don't think he hit any home runs in that small sample, but two walks and three strikeouts was n- not bad. This year, got injured, had a shoulder issue, and so he missed a lot of time, got a total of 51 games, but batted 236 with a 500 slug, 14 home runs in 51 games while showing some pretty decent defense. So it's a small sample size. He's got 56 games in LA, but he absolutely showed that he has what appears to be the tools needed to be the catcher of the future for the Los Angeles angels. There's just a question about the standard dysfunction that we've seen uh, at times in with the angels at the major league level, but it feels like this deal worked out. Okay. Uh, Another deal solely rental-based. These two guys both left after the season, but Harrison Bader for Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery has been traded multiple times at the deadline, and honestly, he's continued to perform every single time. He was a member of the New York Yankees. Uh, He goes to the St. Louis Cardinals in return for out center fielder Harrison Bader. The Cardinals always have tons of extra outfielders, Montgomery does pretty well after the trade, makes 11 starts, 3-1-1 ERA, 6-3 record, has a complete game shutout, and then gets moved this year at the deadline to the Texas Rangers, goes on 2-7-9 ERA down the stretch, pitches well in the postseason, gets a World Series ring. So it worked out well there. Harrison Bader's bounced around a little bit more, but both of those guys did what the teams needed them to do down the stretch. And so I think that was a good deal. Even though Harrison Bader did not spend all of this year uh, with the Yankees, still was a good deal for both teams to do a a swap of guys there. The last one, Jorge Lopez was the closer for the Orioles. Went from the Orioles to the Twins for a four-player package. It was highlighted by reliever Yenye Cano. Pitcher Cade Povich, and then two prospects. Lopez never really seemed to find his groove with Minnesota, right? So he had been ERA in 2022 for Baltimore. At time of the trade, was a 1.68. He put up a 4.37 down the stretch for Minnesota in 22. In 23, had a 5.09 down the stretch. They move him to Miami. Miami ends up waiving him. And he rejoins the Baltimore Orioles in September. So not eligible for the postseason roster because he joined in September. But it it was, that was interesting. And then you flip around and you look at what Cano was able to do. He was an all-star in 2023. So down the stretch in 22, it did not look very promising. Three outings, 18.69 ERA, nine earned runs in four and a third innings. Looks a little iffy, right? Uh, I think it was, he walked five guys in four and a third innings. In Baltimore this year, one and four record. Again, wins don't matter. Two eleven ERA, with sixty five strikeouts in seventy two and two thirds innings. Picks up eight saves as the primary holds guy. Had like thirty one holds, but stepped in late to do some saves. Ended up uh, eight of fourteen on saves. And then to go along with that, there's also some prospects, including Cade Povich, and he's the one that I think could have really taken this over the top. To have this be an absolute win and put it in the second segment for just being a disaster for the twins to make the move. But he struggled this year between double A and triple A, 28 games started by Cade Povich, 8 and 10 with a 504 ERA. It was 126 and two thirds innings. Now, the stuff looked good as far as getting swing and miss, 171 strikeouts, so 12.2 per nine. Also, had some walk issues, 66 walks, 4.7 per nine. Also, had some home run issues, 18 home runs, so 1.3 home runs per nine innings. So, obviously, not ideal. Wasn't terrible, but not ideal as you know for some of the ancillary production and then the ERA, things like that. Not great. The strikeout potentials there, but just shows that you need more starting pitching options in Baltimore and just another reason why Baltimore has to be more aggressive this off season at going out, trying to find free agents, but hopefully making an actual signing, spending some actual money, but making some trades to bring in some more pitching options there to supplement this very talented young core. Uh, fantastic week this week. One more show coming tomorrow. Next week we are on site at the winter meetings. Going to be really excited. Going to be in Nashville for most of the week. The Rule 5 draft is next week, so we're going to bring you an episode kind of previewing some of that, some of what we're hearing while we're up there, refreshers on how it goes, things like that. If you have questions for Monday's mailbag, we'll be doing the mailbag from up in Nashville on Sunday night at the winter meetings. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at On Farm. Tons of ways to reach us in the episode description in the show notes. We have a Discord. We have a subtext, email all of that good stuff. So we want to hear from you on that. Let me know what you want to hear in the month of December because when January rolls around, we're going to be doing six shows a week. We're going to be doing the Monday Mailbag and then the five farm system previews every single week. So we're going to have six weeks of content to take us all the way up to spring training. So if you have show ideas, things like that you want to hear about, let's get them in December because January and part of February is pretty booked. In the meantime, until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor league.